0: Welcome to the Kelly Cardenas Podcast. I'm so excited to be here. It's the 98.2, which is 98% attitude and 2% aptitude. Uh, my daddy told me that from a very early age. I was not very excited about the, that news when he told me that I had 98% attitude percent <laughs> aptitude. But what he was telling me was that my attitude within my life was uh, going to mean everything, and that uh, had to do with your success. I want to welcome on our guest today, uh, Mr. Danny Gonzalez. He's from the University of uh, New Mexico, Lobos. Uh, He's the head football coach. He's got, I want to list off a couple stats before you go, Danny, because I think this is crazy. Uh, 14 bowl games in 16 years. Um, He played for the uh, University of uh, New Mexico. He was an assistant coach there. Uh, He was with Arizona State for the last two years as defensive coordinator. San Diego State for seven years before that as the safeties coach and uh, defensive coordinator coach. Um, Also went to seven straight bowl games with San Diego State. Um, I love this because Herm Edwards uh, uh, said that you were one of the great uh, young defensive minds in the country, uh, which is amazing. I I looked up a stat, too, uh, that there is only, guys, only 119 Division I football teams in the country. And we have one of the head coaches, one of only 119 people in the whole entire country uh, to be able to get to the level that he's at. So I want you to welcome, and I want to welcome uh, you to the show, Danny. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm honored. I mean, it's great. I mean, you said
1: all those nice things about me and uh, you know, it's, it's been, a, I've been very blessed and very fortunate. Like you said, Herm Edwards gave me a great opportunity and coach long, who I worked with for 20 years, both at the university of Mexico, San Diego state uh, and now back here at UNM again, uh, just been very, very unbelievable in my career and have been blessed and fortunate to work with great people. And um, I'm honored to be on your show.
0: Well, I, I tell you this, it is so cool because I, I got a hold of you yesterday. Actually, my brother got a hold of you. My brother is my, my, my keeper, and I love him so much. He's my big brother. He's the man. His name is Rob Cardius, and you follow him. Um, this episode is going to be st- sponsored by uh, my daughter and my son because the whole reason for this podcast is because I wanted to go after the, the top thought leaders in the, uh, in the country and in our world and help them to realize that anything that they wanted to be able to do was possible. So for me to think, you know, when I was starting off the podcast that I would be able to get the the head coach of uh, University of New Mexico on, I mean, that's a stretch, but I want my kids to understand and know that that part is possible. So let's start off with this, uh, Danny. I mean, obviously, I mean, you played football, uh, you played punter, you played safety. Um, When you were playing like Pop Warner, um, did you imagine that you would be experiencing the level at which you're experiencing right now?
1: No, to, to tell you the truth, I didn't play start playing uh, football until I got into high school. I was a soccer player growing up. Um, football wasn't huge in Albuquerque. Um, Yaffle was just starting out the Young American Football League, and, and I didn't really take partake in that. And then when I was uh, my freshman year playing soccer, the football coaches actually, they needed somebody to come punt, like you said. And I went over there one day and did a good job. And then I was like, I don't want to just punt, I want to play ball. And so they handed me the football, and, and we took off from there. I mean, I, I had some fun and did some good things. So. Um, no, had no idea I'd be where I'm at today. I mean, even graduating college uh, when I was done playing, I knew I wasn't good enough to play in the NFL. So I was I was working at Bank of America, was just going to go see where that took me. And Coach Long had asked me if I wanted to come be a graduate assistant. And from there, I mean, I'm here now. And so I, I had no idea. I mean, I loved sports growing up, was a huge football fan, uh, really wanted to play in high school, but had taken the soccer path and, and God has plans for all of us. And that was the way he wanted me to being indoctrinated into football, and uh, I'm so grateful that I I was, and and that's where we're at today.
0: So we talk a lot, uh, like, when I get a chance to be able to talk to uh, two people all over the country, all over the world, um, I always ask them this, because you seem to have a phenomenal mindset, like, and I I just want to, I want to dig into a couple things that you said, you said, you know, I wasn't playing football, I, I got the chance, I wanted to play more, um, once I got to college, I realized I wasn't going to go pro. Um, so I, you know, so you decided on something else. You went down a different road and you had a great attitude about it. You were talking about it. You just flowed right through it. You've glazed over it. I want to dig into that part because there's so many people that like I've seen, I almost slip into a depression. They go, they're the, they're the star in their high school, right? Then they go to college and they're the star in their college or they're playing well. Well, the, the NFL is a whole different ball game mm-hmm. once we go um, and they almost slip into a depression um, when they get done with a college and they can't go play pro. And then they start on this downward spiral. How were you able to uh, continue on the way up saying like, Oh, wow, I didn't, you know, I wasn't able to go to the NFL, but here's this other opportunity. Where did that mindset come from?
1: You know, from for my parents at a young age and my dad, I mean, like you said uh, your father instilled still you the 98 too. I agree. I mean, attitude and, and, you can't be an energy vampire. I mean, you have to take everything on with a positive attitude. And I, I say it all the time. I'm a very, I'm a, half, a glass half full kind of guy. I'm very positive in every situation. Um, and I think in, in life, you have to be willing to bet on yourself. And if you're willing to bet on yourself and you have a plan, uh, you're going to be successful. I mean, and there's a difference between having a dream and having a goal. And, and I'm, I'm big on dreams. You just hope they happen. And goals, you have a plan and you don't deviate from the plan. You may have to adjust the plan. But you don't deviate from it. You you set it and you go and you don't stop until you get there. And doesn't matter what crossroads you come to. Um, there's going to be a lot of uh, bumps in the road. You just have to fight through them. There's going to be smoke. I mean, if if you uh, if you've ever read the book The Coffee Bean by John Gordon and Damon West, uh, it's a great story. I mean, where I mean, it gives you the three different environments and and the final the final one the coffee bean. I mean, it, it you put it in coffee even a bean different than ground. You put it there; it's going to turn into to a coffee after about an hour of hot water, and it just it, it adapts to its situation. It adapts to the the um, circumstances around it, and it makes everything keep going. And if you're just willing to keep fight, doesn't matter what crossroads come your way, you'll find you and you'll make it to your goal at the end.
0: So let's go back to your parents too, because this sounds to me like a lot of conditioning, right? Because I don't believe that uh, this is just my belief. I mean, we could be off on this; so you could dispute me if you want. Um, I've never, I don't think that in the if you had two kids born today, right, the doctor looks at one and is like, wow, this one is focused and wow, this one's not, um, a lot of things have to do with our conditioning. So take us into the mind of your parents. Like the reason I say this is because my dad is listening and my dad had like 500, like maybe five ten sayings that he would say all the time that I was mad Mm -hmm. at 25, um, what were some of those things that your parents said to you early on that were, you know, uh, preparing your soil? Um, but maybe you didn't listen to them at the time.
1: No, no, for sure. I mean, uh, and I think that my, my whole coaching career has, has come from a lot of the stuff that my dad taught me when I was from a young age. Uh, one was, he's not, my dad was never a yeller. He didn't yell at us. Um, he would talk stern to us. If there was a message he wanted us to give, he'd look us in the eyes and, and, I remember at a very young age, him telling me, look, son, don't, don't yell at people. If you yell at people, they're going to tune you out. If I'm going to sit here and yell at you, you're not going to hear a word I say. But if you say it in a demeanor where it's a softer tone, where they're going to be worried they're going to miss something. Uh, and when people get dramatic and they want to yell and scream, usually people tune them out. And the people that are, are just stern talkers, you're afraid you're going to miss something. So you actually hear the message. And I think I've taken that into my coaching style. I mean, I'm not a big yeller. I mean, I think there's times that you have to get after them. But there's, uh, there's coaching and there's, te- there's the teaching aspect and the coaching aspect. The coaching, you can get after them, make them go hard, yell and scream to run, 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 run the ball, all that good stuff, hit them hard. But when you're teaching and you're actually using that as teaching moments, it, it's, it's a waste of time to yell at people. And we've had a very successful, been very successful doing that and that teaching method. And that goes in the classroom. It goes with your kids. It goes with your spouses. I mean, when you're, when you're having a confrontation with whoever it is, yelling never solves anything. And so I, I was big on that. My dad was big on that growing up. Uh, there was I'm, I was very blessed and fortunate that there wasn't a lot of yelling in our household, maybe between me and my older sister, who used to like to tangle a little bit. But uh, other than that, I mean, it was a very uh, a very easy learning environment growing up. Um, and I think I've instilled that and been able to take that everywhere I've gone. And I know, I mean, that's, uh, that's been a very valuable, valuable lesson to me. And then uh, in, in, in the sports aspect of it, playing sports, um, when things wouldn't go my way, uh, at a young age I was, i'd get very emotional i mean if i when i was playing goalie in soccer if they'd score i'd punch the ground and uh those kind of things and, and it used to just infuriate my dad like come on move on you just your goals further down just don't worry about that you got to just some bad things are gonna happen in sports there's always positives and negatives and you just gotta fight through the negatives and uh and he would tell me that and go one air and out the other and so one day to at a soccer game, they scored and, and I got upset and, you know, I hit and slapped the ground or whatever. And I looked over at the sideline and my dad jumped down to the ground and he's screaming and kicking the ground. I mean, here's this 40-some-year-old man yelling and screaming in front of everybody that my, their son gave up a goal. I was so embarrassed. And after the game, he goes, is that what you want me to do every time they score? I was like, come on. You, you kidding me? I was so just mortified and, and never did it again. Never, never. I mean, he taught me a lesson right then and there. Uh, never did it again. And the, the message behind it, the the lesson was, there's emotion and there's passion. We want to be passionate. We want to we fight and do everything we can to be successful. But when you do things based off of emotion, when you make decisions off of emotion, usually it's a mistake. Usually it's the wrong decision. And I got that from my dad young. And then that's another big saying of Coach Edwards also. I mean, it's very amazing that I heard that growing up and then I get the opportunity to work with Coach Edwards. And he, he's a big believer in that. Also, passion and emotion—you uh, make emotional decisions. Usually, they're the wrong
0: one. Wow! So I'm going to jump forward because I want to go right to there. Um, we're in you know, we're in an emotional time, right? We're the oh, big with, time with all these things. And what you're saying is is don't play off the emotion. I mean, the emotion is there, but your principles—you got to you got to stick to your principles, and everything's going to work out. So, how have you been able to apply that? We again, we're going to we're going to balance and go all over this place, but let's do it. How are you able to apply that right now because again, like you you I mean you're you're coaching kids who you can't see right now. Um, you know, they're nine, some of them are 19, 20 years old, I mean young kids away from their family for the first time or sometimes back with their family or whatever it is. Um, how are you able to almost steady the ship and tell you know, what's the method there? Uh, in this and how does it apply to today's situation? I, I think today uh, you got, you,
1: like I said earlier, look at the positive side of it. Okay. It's 2020. We have the technology to do these kind of zoom meetings. So I can, I can meet with my guys, my football team uh, once a week over this technology. so I can see all of them. They can check in with me, all the coaches get on there so that we're having the same, we're having a similar environment. It's not the same, but it's similar. We can communicate, we can talk to them, we can check in on them. Um, if this would have happened 20 years ago, I mean, who knows how we've done this. has have been through phone calls. So the positive is we have some ways to, to deal with this a little better than we would have in the past. Um, the other positive I look at it is everybody in the country is on the same playing field. We're all on the same. It's all level. Everybody has to deal with the same situation. Uh, who's going to be the one that's the most innovative? Who's going to think outside the box? Who's going to do stuff? Um, and then now the NCAA, I mean, they're, they're in uncharted waters too, so they're trying to make rules because they don't – They don't want kids to get hurt because coaches are asking them to do something over technology that they physically can't do. So now they're hurt. So they're making, they're putting some restrictions on how we can train them. Um, So then you have to go back to the character of your football team. Okay. We have a bunch of really good guys. Well, now we're going to challenge them with, hey, you need to do what you can do to be in cardiovascular shape so that when we get back to going and hopefully God willing it sooner rather than later, you guys are ready to go so we can put some weights on those barbells and we can do those things without wearing you out cardiovascularly. If you come in, if you don't do anything over the next, however long this is, then we're going to be in trouble. And the teams that have that character and the teams that um, the guys believe in what the coaches are saying, it's where I think we're at right now. They have a lot of belief in where we came from and what we're doing, especially being together for such a short time. Uh, That's how we're going to fight through this thing. And that's how we're going to survive and, and how we're going to really thrive when we get going back together. And I've challenged our football team to to do that. And we'll see where we are come, hopefully, beginning of July.
0: So, where, uh, Danny, where did your um, uh, competitive nature come from? I mean, when you're playing sports, and, I mean, obviously, like you, you did really well at soccer because they wouldn't have asked you to kick, kick the ball uh, in football. And then when you did, you were like, hey, I want to get after this thing. Um, and then you played at a, colli- a collegiate level, which, I mean – Honestly, like, let's, let's talk about the competitive nature, and then I want you to go into, like, the difference. I mean, some, of, some kids out there are like, oh, wow, well, you know, I'm doing good in, you know, say, Pop Warner. I'm doing good in high school. What's the difference between when you, when you jump from level to level? I mean, how, how, uh, how big is that? So competitive nature, and then let's compare the, uh, the level jump from a high school to a, uh, to a, okay. college, a collegiate level.
1: Competitive nature, I think, uh, probably comes from my family. Just period. I mean, everything we did um, was built around competition. Whether it was playing four square in the backyard with my sister, or or trying to beat my dad in horse or basketball, I mean, it did not matter. Um, I, from a very young age, um, almost to the a sad thing to say. I mean, I'm poor sport. I I hated losing. Hated losing. I mean, I I hate losing more than I enjoy winning, and that's really kind of a sad, really bad characteristic. But it just when when I lose at something it just puts a pit in my stomach that I just, I don't want to feel it again. And, and I just I'm willing to do whatever it is so that I don't have to do that. And I think that part of part of that is, if you're going to be really good at something, or you're going to be passionate, or if you're going to be competitive, you have to be all in, um, you have to be willing to risk that feeling of, of losing that that hate that you have inside to lose. Because if you don't, then when you lose, it's not a big deal. And I'm a big believer that everything that you do becomes a habit. Winning's a habit, so is losing. Losing's a habit. And if you become callous to it, then you accept it. And, and I've never, since from a young age, we've never been able to do that, whether it be, like I said, competing against my sisters or my dad and my mom. Uh, now with our with our kids, with mine and Sandra's kids, whether it's a, a game of cards or whatever it is. I mean, My seven-year-old, I, I don't let her win because – I just, I, I can't, I mean, she, she gets frustrated and sometimes she'll cry and I'm like, well, too bad figure it out. Uh, and, and her mom is probably even worse than me. I mean, she, she's as, as competitive as they come. So I think the environment and the nature you grow up around and then the different levels of competition. Um, I think everything that I figured out from the time I was young, the biggest difference in the level of competition is the speed of how things, how fast things move um in football it's the guys the guys are bigger they're faster they're stronger but the speed of the game the reaction that you might have been used to against guys that were similar level of competition all of a sudden you're playing guys that are better well you better adapt or you're going to get run out of there and it's the same thing going from cause the nfl the speed of the game is so fast and the reaction times that you're used to making if you don't adjust you're done you're going to just get, get run out of there so um, I think in every level of competition, I mean, obviously guys are going to be more talented. They're bigger, they're faster, but the actual speed of the game is what makes
0: the most significant difference. So when you're, when you're looking at it, I mean, 14 bowl games, 16 seasons, this is amazing. Seven straight bowl games uh, when you were at San Diego state. Right. Um, so when you're, when you're looking in that, in that kind of realm, this competitive nature has played a, a huge part in it. Um, how have you been able to, uh, you know, how were you able to adapt as a coach? Because, I mean, when I say it again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this again for, for all of you. I've got a lot of listeners that aren't sports fans. But what I want to let you know mm-hmm. is there was only 119 positions in the whole world. There's a lot of hairdressers out there, um, salon owners. If there was only 119 salons, um, most likely none of us would get a job at them. Um, if there was only 119 positions as stylists in the whole country, that would mean that you are competing with a whole country against hundred and uh, for 119 positions. This guy's got one of them. You were a player, right? What makes the transition from player to coach, not only coach, but successful coach, like how, what, what, what sets it apart because there's a lot of people who have played, but not everyone, right? Not right. everyone who is a good coach. Even Kobe Bryant said when they asked him, you know, are you going to be a coach? He was like, I'm a great player. Uh, I am, I'm not going to that place. What was, what's that, what's the difference? What do you need to be a great coach? I mean,
1: one, I think it's the drive of competition still. Um, for me, that, that was the, I mean, I loved playing football. I mean, I absolutely loved it. And when I knew that my time was done, it, it was a little bit sad because I knew, I mean, I wasn't, uh, if you know, I wasn't good enough playing the NFL, but I wasn't going to go and, and do all those things in Europe and all those things. Cause it wasn't, uh, that football is a violent, dangerous game and and unless you're really in if there's something valuable to it, then I think at this age when you have a family and you have other things that you want to do, you have to be smart in that. Uh so coaching it was was the next closest thing. Um is coaching as fun as playing? Not even close. But you still have that competition drive. It's still that chess match every week. It's still uh you get to fulfill that in your gut that the the competition the trying to beat the guy on the other sideline. Um and then Kobe Bryant said it's the best. I mean, there's a lot of great players that aren't good coaches. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm big on I – man, I've got a pretty good memory. I can memorize stuff pretty good. I mean, I, I think you have to be able to digest film, tape, the other your opponent, what they're going to do, have to kind of predict what, how they're going to try and take you on and how are you going to combat that. And um, I think that's where you have to dig in and find out. And you can find out at a pretty young age. Um, the other side of it is it's very time-consuming. It's a very time-consuming job. I mean, during season – I mean, we'll put it anywhere from 80 to 90 hours a week. Um, we, our family sacrifice a lot for us. I mean, I'm, I'm big on family, and we have our families around the football facility a lot because if not, they may not see us during the football season. I mean, once we start the on a normal year without the COVID-19 crisis going on, we would start around the 25th of July. From the 25th of July until really about the, the first Wednesday in February, it's seven days a week. We might have two or three days off in that six and a half month period, maybe. Um, and like I said, it's it's eighty to ninety hours a week. Um, I mean, I leave the house usually around four thirty, and I come home anywhere between seven to nine o'clock in the evening. I mean, it, it's it's uh, it's just what we do, and it's I, ne- I I never I I never watch the clock because it just we just doesn't seem there's like there's enough time. So I cherish my family being able and we're in a, we're in a situation where they're able to come. Um, the last two schools we've lived at, they've lived close enough where it was an easy trip, get in the car, come have dinner, hang out. Um, and then try to make the priority of, of certain nights that we get home so that I can put my girls to bed and um, talk to the boys for a little bit, just to figure out how their day was. And if I have to do more work, then I go back into the office and do more work. I mean, it's just, you, like I said, you adapt to your environment and that's the coaching aspect of it. If, if somebody, from a young age gets into coaching and, and the time is too much they get out quick and the competition and the the, the drive on Saturday to, to compete against somebody else I think it's it's why I do it and then mentoring the young men I mean yeah we're, we get these guys at a very vulnerable time in their life I mean the age of 18 to 24 they're they're just figuring out how to be alone for the first time away from mom and dad they're, they're kind of figuring out how to be young men how to be good citizens and so with our coaches, I mean, we've we've hired a bunch of coaches that are really good men, good fathers, good husbands. So that these guys are around, good men, good fathers, good husbands, and that's the the role models that they see every day. So when we have our kids and our wives around the facility, that's what our football players are learning. That's where they're learning to. This is what it's like life after football, life after here. I mean, you you can spend time with your family. It's okay to to hug and kiss your your kids and your family and and have have your faith and let everybody know that you have faith. I mean, I'm big in my faith. I mean, I'm, I'm here where God has me. And uh, I I think there's a big plan and and I'm just going to do whatever plan it is that he, he has for me.
0: It's incredible that you bring that part into it, because I think a lot of times people look at, you know, a a situation like, like yourself in division one football as a coach, and um, they're thinking that's the end goal. But what I hear from you is that you're, your end goal is making these guys amazing people that happen to play football. Um, correct. And so, th- but obviously that's not the consensus. I mean, that's not always the number one. Am I correct? For I sure. mean, right. Um, why, why is that so important to you? And also a second part of the question to, uh, you know, you, you've been married eight years, uh, Sandra, she's beautiful. Love her. Um, known her for years. Um, how do you, cause most people almost tap themselves out of a position like yours. Cause they're like, Oh wow. He said seven days a week. Oh wow. He said 80 to 90 hours a week. There's no way I can do that because I've got a, I've got a balance. Right. And they, they say, so I've got a balance. And, mm-hmm. but what do you say to those people? Because you love your wife, you love your kids um, and you do exactly what you love. How are you able to do all of those things? Well, one, I'm very blessed, but two, I was
1: able to find a wife that is just unbelievable um she's 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 all in on on what we do which um if you don't have that and it really doesn't matter what your career is if you don't have that where, where you guys are all in together um you're going to struggle and and things are going to be hard so I'm I'm very blessed and very fortunate with that she's an unbelievable mom um and she she actually we enjoy spending time together so it's not a big deal for her to come over to the office and, and have dinner and all those things I mean she actually looks forward to it just as much as I do I hope uh but no I know she does. Um, so, I mean, that's how we kind of share our family and, and our families involved. I mean, this, this football team, and I say it around here all the time, it's, it's not my football team, it's our football team. It's my family's, it's the community, the state of New Mexico. I mean, it, it takes everybody to be successful, and that's that's kind of how we go. I mean, everybody believes in what we're doing, and if you can keep a bunch of people on the same page and keep that consistent message going, and they can see it. You're not just talking it, they can actually see how you're living it then you have that opportunity. If, if you don't find a, a spouse that has the same mindset, that, that it's going to be really hard. And there's people that do do it. They just kind of live separate lives. And that's not what I'm into. Um, I mean, I like I said, I love my family. I love our faith. And then the opportunity to be around these young men and what they have is, I mean, the, the, I think the greatest statistic that I use in recruiting is 7% of Americans leave college debt-free. I mean, that's a tiny number, 7%. 93% of Americans go to college. They either have student loans, they owe their parents, they owe credit cards, they owe somebody. Though, these young men have an opportunity because they're on a full-ride scholarship with a stipend that we teach them how to budget. We teach them how to, how to do a little bit of finance, how to balance time, studies. They can leave college with a degree, sometimes two, and they don't owe anybody a penny when they leave. And that's a huge advantage you have against, like I said, 93% of America, where if you get married and you go try and buy a house and you don't have any debt, you got a big leg up. Um, it, you, you, you save yourself from a lot of arguments over money. If you have a good idea of how to finance a budget. So I think it's very important to us. I mean, these kids, is it college degree going to get them a job? No, it's not. But what it's going to do is going to put their foot in the door. And then I say it all the time. If you're willing to bet on yourself and somebody gives you an opportunity, well, that's 98% of the point of being successful. I mean, you have that attitude and you believe in yourself, then you know what, the rest of the environment, you can figure it out and work around it. But if you if you don't have that opportunity, now you're competing on the same level with everybody else or people that don't have that college degree. Well, it's just that much harder. So they have a great opportunity. And I think it's our job to mentor them and don't let them waste it. And then we have better people in our society, better citizens in our community. And, and a lot of kids that we bring from out of state they end up being lifetime, lifetime Albuquerque citizens, and the better people we bring, the better our city will be. The better it is for everybody.
0: Wow, you, you should run for president. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you get done. We get done, Danny, with uh, being head coach. After you win the national championship, uh, then we get you as the the mayor first, and the governor. Uh, yeah, I Eddie, don't
1: know. I, the politics is a different world.
0: I know. <laughs> um, so you were saying that, you know, you got to find the right wife. A lot of people out there just stopped at that point. They were like, okay, find the right wife. Danny, tell us how you found Sandra and how can, how can the listeners out there find the right person? Um, you know, and, and did she find you? Did you approach her? Did she, did you approach her or did she approach you? Um, what was it? You know, she was actually, uh, I was a patient of her. She's a dental hygienist
1: and I was a patient of hers. And, um, I mean, the first, uh, the first time I saw her, I was like, wow, she's, there's something really special about her. She's, she's vibrant. She's got an unbelievable personality. She's beautiful. I mean, you, you, name it. And I I had a disappointment. She cleaned my teeth and I, I left and I, I mean, it was like, okay, now I got to wait six months to see her again. I waited six months. I went back. She did it again. And, and finally I was like, look, do I really have to wait six months to see you again? I mean, what, what do we, what, what do I got to do here? And uh, she kind of laughed, and, and then I started taking her some Starbucks, and started spending some time over there. And finally, I I say all the time, I was persistent. She gave in, um, but I and I was fortunate. I was able to find a friend. Uh, she's my best friend in this whole world. And I don't think if you if you don't have that, I mean, you, you, your your marriage it's it's hard. I mean, it goes back to emotion and passion. I mean, you can be emotionally attached to somebody, but if the passion isn't in the relationship you're going to struggle and emotions. If you're not friends, I mean, some of those things that they, they might die off. Now I'm very fortunate. Me and, me and my wife have a, a great affection for each other. I mean, I think she's the most beautiful thing in the world and, and I'm very blessed by that. And I mean, I wake up every day and I just, I just know how blessed and lucky I am. Um So that helps, but we're great friends. I mean, she's my best friend in this whole world. She understands me. She knows what I want um, in life. I know what she wants. We're very strong in our faith together. So uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm very blessed and fortunate.
0: You are blessed, man. You definitely are blessed. Let me ask you this: just quick question before we move on. That um, on that first visit, did you have the cavity creeps? Uh, did you have any cavities? Because uh, no, I,
1: I didn't. I said all the time, and I told her, you know, I've been to the dentist, dentist in a while. I mean, you got to take it easy. She was, uh, she didn't believe me at the time, but uh, we had some funny stories about that later. But no, I mean, it was, uh, it was funny. You know she talks about all the time that, you know, parent, patients will, will stare at her and it would make her a little bit uncomfortable or whatever. So she'd stare right back in their eyes. And usually when that would happen, the patient would look away. Well, I mean, I was just staring right at her. and She looked down at me to get me to look away. I didn't didn't budge. And I looked at her and she, and so she looked away again. She's like, oh, God, what's he doing? He's a creep. So uh, we've we had some fun with that. But it was just really, really cool.
0: That's awesome, man. Uh, I want to I want to uh, jump to present day as far as you coaching things like that, which I think is is so important. And um, I, my my um, was it my uncle on my uh, wife's side? He's a a pitcher for the Angels, and he's a a, a pitching coach. So I asked him. I was like, with these high level athletes, right? You have these high level athletes that are get I mean, amazing at what they do. They're so talented. They got hard work. They got all this stuff. I said, how do you teach a pro? guy like and he showed he shared with me a couple of methods on how to be able to take these high level people and get them to be able to adapt to a culture and on a team sport Danny how do you do that because literally like I mean you're uh when you came in in January right you got hired in January to New Mexico right was it January you're uh you you cut out for a second it's okay um, so you came to the, to the team in January. Yeah, there we go. So you came in January. So help me with, the, or, or stay with me on this analogy. But basically, it's kind of like a stepdad, like a new stepdad, right? Your mom marries someone For sure. So come in, and there's all these people that are there in this organization, in this school, everything like that. And you roll in, and you're the head of the organization. How do you get these high-level athletes to buy in? What is the, what's the trick there? We're pausing. For a uh, second. I think it's
1: trust uh, from, the, from the very beginning. Uh, you're going to have to trust me. Uh, we miss. Uh, the...
0: Hold on for one second, Danny. I lost you just for a second. Um,
1: come on. Uh, are we... Can you hear me?
0: Uh, I can hear you now.
1: Okay. Uh, I, I talked about it all the time. It, it starts with trust. I mean, that to trust you. And that takes a little bit of time. So I asked him, you know, give me some blind faith. I mean, leave without that I'm I'm proud of. I mean, Google my background. I mean, you can find out where I've come from, what I've been, the successes I've had, who I've coached, how I've coached. Um, and I'm, I'm very proud of that. And I talk to our young men all the time, you know, be careful because you get a black mark upon your name. You can't erase that. I mean, it's there forever. And in, in this day and age of social media and the internet, it's all, it's there forever. I mean, anybody can find it. So, um, faith believe without seeing and then trust i mean and, and it's taken some time but i think over the time once they understand that they have your you have their best interest at heart it's not about just about you it's about them and about the vision of our program um then i think they can start believing that once you gain once you garner that trust between each other then the world the sky's the limit i mean you're just gonna everything can take off from there but that's the biggest factor in in leading an organization. They have to trust that you're in it for them and not for yourself.
0: So tell us too about this because, um, you know, people, like a buzzword right now in, in today's society is culture. It's culture, 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 culture. And people use the word, but a lot of times they don't construct on how it actually comes into play. Break this down for us. How do you start establishing that culture? Maybe give us the top three or five things and you know, bullet pointed like, hey, I do this when I go in. I do this first. I do this second. I do this third, um, because I, I believe that culture has to be intentional. And if it's not intentional, then it, you're intentional on the other outcome. Does that make sense? Um, what are your? For sure. Are-
1: the the things I do, the things I'm still first. It's um, be on time. I mean, we have three standards that we live by in our program. Be on time is the first one. If you're on time, I mean, I have this kind of old rule that uh, Gary Patterson, the head coach of TCU, when I was a football player, he came in, and it was to be earliest, to be on time. To be on time is to be late, and to be late is to be forgotten. And I've been big on that, be on time. If you're on time, it shows that you're interested. It shows the respect that you have for whatever it is that you're doing. Uh, it shows that you want to compete and get after it. So be on time takes care of the majority of the things that we ask them to do. If they're on time, it means they're where they're supposed to be. They're doing the things they're supposed to. They're taking care of the things away from away from the football complex that they're supposed to. Uh, second is respect. Uh, have respect for people. Um, and if you feel if you feel disrespected, okay, stand, stare them in the face. But don't just think that you're going to get respect because of who you are. Give people respect if they don't give it back, then you can find out the reason why. But if you act in a respectful manner, people are more willing to help. They're more willing to pay attention. They're more willing to be involved. If you act like you're better than they are, then you've got no chance. And then the third thing that we go after is competitive, compete. You have to have a competitive bone in your body if we want to be successful. You have to compete at everything you do. It goes back to that drive earlier where I said, if you're not all in, you don't put everything on the line, losing is not going to hurt and it's not going to matter. And it becomes a habit. But if you're competitively driven, and you competed everything you do, and a, you put everything you have into being successful, whatever it is you're doing, if you do, if it does fall apart, it hurts so bad that if you have that drive, you're going to do whatever it takes not to let that happen again.
0: So when you came into your to your crew, right, so you come into a new organization, you've had 14 bowl games, 16 seasons in San Diego, you had seven straight bowl games. Um, you come in, like, you're on fire. Like, you're, you know, and you're bringing this level of fire into this organization. What do you see? Like, what do you see right now? Like, right when you came in, what were some of the deciding factors outside of you being it being your alma mater? What were some of the components that you saw saying, like, this is my, this is where I want to be? Because there could have probably been some offers from some colleges that you would have been like, ah, I'm okay. Why was that? Why New Mexico's, like, uh, why University of New Mexico? Why did you do that?
1: Well, one, it's one like I, like you said, it, it's very important to me because I played here. I know how special this place can be. I think the city of Albuquerque is an amazing place to live. The state of New Mexico has got some really cool things that you can do with your family. Um, and the success that we had when I was an assistant coach here before and a player, um, we competed for the conference championship. We, we finished second four times, um, and it was a fumble here, an interception there that, that cost us games, to, that cost us from winning the championship. We moved on to San Diego State in the same league, and we win three championships in a five-year period. I know the, the formula it is to be successful to do, to do that championship. I know how to be successful here because we've done it before. Um, this job is a little bit, in most places, it's unique. Albuquerque is a very unique place. Um, we don't have a great population of people. I mean, there's only 1.2 million people in the entire state. So we have to be able to um, predict and project kids from other places, bring them in and get them used to the environment here in Albuquerque, which, like I said, it's a unique place. I love it. Uh, And usually after about two years, those guys adjust and adapt and they never leave. And if you get the right ones, because it all comes down to coaching, you're a good coach if you have good players. Coaches don't get to play. Coaches don't get to tackle. They don't get to intercept. They don't get to throw the ball. So if you don't do a good job recruiting and you don't have guys that can play, it doesn't matter how good you are schematically as a coach. If the guys ain't good enough, you're not going to win. And so you have to be able to project and predict who's going to be good players, bring them in here, develop them. Um, I know how we've done it in the past. I know where we did it in other places to be successful. And we were successful. So right away, that blind faith, they can have it because they've seen results in the past. Okay, guys did this and it worked. These guys did this and this is where it took them. They won championships. They went to bowl games. Um, they have the success that we're not having here what are they doing different well they did it so let's 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 try it and the try it aspect is the biggest part because the big thing that I've gotten to hear a custom is we have this certain level of how hard we play how hard we expect our guys to go and it's almost an unrealistic expectation that when we first try and implement it the guys are like you're crazy there's no way you can ask us to do that but we've done it and we can put tape on there to show them what it's supposed to look like hard. They've worked to get where they are, um, where they're going to go. And so if, if you don't have that proof, it's hard for somebody to believe in what you're saying without seeing it. Well, we can show them where it's been from. We can show them all those wonderful things, but then you have to have the guys and find them to buy into what you're saying. And I believe right here, we have a good group of guys that are willing to do that. Um we've been interrupted a little bit with this COVID nineteen, but everybody has, so it, it's okay, we'll adapt. And that's where that's where I believe, okay, this can be done, this is how we're gonna do it. And why I came here. I mean, my family's here. It's an opportunity. This I think this is a special place that you can win championships, championships, which I think was another big piece. So it was the right time i mean we did have other job offers that we just didn't feel was best for our family we thought this was a really good opportunity and and time for a place where our family can be and the bottom line is where god wants us to be and so that's where we're at
0: well let me ask you this uh this one too is um you know how are you because you're, you're investing in these kids right so you're investing in your- I mean, and I have this all this question all the time in business, I get a chance to I I do consulting throughout the country and uh, do culture coaching and organizational change management, um, helping uh, companies to be able to, you know, invest in their people, things like that, right. So when we're doing this, the number one stop from every management that I ever go into, well, I'm going to invest in these people, and then they're going to leave. So why should I invest all my heart and soul into people knowing that they're going to go? Now, Danny, I could say that you're an expert in this because every one of the kids that's on the team is going to leave you in two to four years. Okay. Every one of them it's guaranteed. These organizations, a lot of times they have, they can have a five, six, 10, 20 year lifespan, but they're not engaging. They're not investing in their people. And so how are you able to give your heart and soul of everything you have your family your wife your relationship your faith and you build these people up knowing that they're going to leave you in anywhere well we could say 2 to 4 years how are mm-hmm.
1: you um I, I think it goes back to part of my enjoyment of being in this job is the vulnerable age that we get these guys at um it's helping them become men it's helping them become fathers and become husbands and if you put all of that in it's better for everybody, I mean, our whole community's gonna be better if we've got a bunch of good guys that are are good fathers, good husbands, so um the down the road vision of of those guys bringing their families back and and being thankful for the time that we were able to share together and how we were able to help them um I think that drives me and then if you if you have a culture that people want to be involved in, you are investing a lot of time in these guys, but those guys, by the time that they're done at the end of their their road with you. They're recruiting the guys that you're bringing in to be just like them, so it's almost like a life cycle. We're we're investing all of our time into these people to get them here, so that they bring in like minded people like themselves, so that we start the process all over and keep this machine rolling. And then we have better better people in our community, and and everybody. It's a win win for everybody.
0: So this is, it blows my mind because what you just what you just said is you're not about building a football team, you're about building a community. I mean, that's not a common thought. It's not a common thought because most people are like, I got hired to do a job. I'm going to create the best football team possible. But if you guys hear what Danny is saying, he's saying the football is secondary to the people that are there, which I think is amazing. Um, I want to discuss this because I've never got a chance to discuss this with a with a, a coach, and especially a coach on your level, right? So you have all all the all us yahoos, right? I don't coach. I'm not a part of you know the NCAA. I'm not a part of the NFL. Although I'm a free agent this year, so if anyone out there <laughs> is looking, let's do it. I'm you know I'm I'm still uh, staying in part partial shape, and I'm going to come back this year. Um, but what do you say to the people like myself that say watch the Super Bowl? Okay, so I watched the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. The Rams, I'm glad they lost because it's my brother's team. Um, but the whole year, Gurley is gangster, on fire. He's the man. We get in the Super Bowl, and McVeigh doesn't call any play through the playoffs, does not call any plays for him. And everyone, like at the end of the uh, season, like, at the end of the Super Bowl, I was so mad. Like, Sean McVay, I want to choke you. For the whole season, I was like, man, you're a genius. Take us from your perspective, because you got the coaching perspective. Um, like, what do you see when those things happen? Because all we see as a, a, as a fan is, like, you're not doing what I told you to do. And I had this happen with the Titans. I'm a huge Titans fan. Mm-hmm. Titan. And, like, we abandon our – Game plan against the Chiefs, we would have beat the Chiefs, although they're Tecmo Bowl like cheat code. Um, but we abandoned our whole game plan and stopped pounding uh, uh Derrick Henry. So when you're watching it from a coach perspective, you have a different thought process. Am I correct? Take us through this.
1: I do. I do. First of all, you just dated yourself. Tecmo Bowl is not even a game anymore. It's, it's 2K and all those wonderful Madden and all those great things. But no, that that's awesome. I've like seen Tecmo since I was little. I mean, that's awesome. But Um, you you do and you don't. I mean, coaches are humans, and and we screw things up. Sometimes we think we can get an advantage by doing something we haven't done before. We're going to outsmart the other team. We're going to out-trick them by doing something we get away from our bread and butter. And most of the time when you do that, it's a mistake. I mean, every once in a while, you'll come up with something so exotic that it catches them off guard. But good coaches make adjustments. And if it's not something that you're really, really good at, and the other coach is able to adjust to something that they're good at because they're not trying to do something they haven't done before, usually that's where the that's where you make your mistakes. And sometimes, you, the, a lot of times, the Super Bowl you have two weeks to prepare for, you almost – it's paralysis by analysis. You almost do too much because you have all this extra time and you try and do some things that it's outside the box. You think they won't, they won't uh, be able to stop. And then all of a sudden you get in the middle of the game and if you go back to what you were doing before – what got you there you're going to be successful and and we're human we make those mistakes we think we're going to outsmart somebody we're, we're going to have this genius plan and and usually it usually it's a it's an emotional mistake and and uh if you just do what got you there most of the
0: time you're a lot more have a lot better chance of being successful are you able to watch a game danny like are you able to watch a game and not go into because i mean you're intense like you're, you're intense you're focused i can even see it in your eyes um are you able to watch, like, who's your favorite fo- uh, a pro football team? I lost you there for a second, Danny. No uh, doubt when I was a, a kid. Nope. Okay, who's you your tell me when you got me back. Who's your favorite
1: uh, NFL football team? My, growing up, I was a big-time Cowboy fan. Oh, man. Uh, we gotta, here in,
0: um, <laughs> we've got to end it. We have station identification. Uh, we're going to have to have a moment of silence for the Cowboys. Um Okay. <laughs> I won't even ask that. We're gonna delete that. Well,
1: see here. Here it is. In Albuquerque, you either a Cowboy fan or a Bronco fan. And at a very young age, Danny White was the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. We shared the same name, uh, and as a as a matter of fact, he was an Arizona State Sun Devil graduate. So when uh, when I worked at Arizona State, I got to become very good friends with Danny White, which was just a, a dream of mine. So I was a big crowd, Cowboy fan growing up, and it's been. Uh, uh, we've had some back when I was in high school. I mean, we were rolling in the '90s, win we three Super Bowls in four years. Uh, but that's how it's been since then. We've been like this ever since then. So, uh, with, with the new staff, maybe Mike McCarthy can bring the Cowboys back. I mean, Jason Garrett had a run at it; we got close. But uh, you know, you know I, I'm like I said, I'm a half, I'm a half class, glass half full kind of guy. So let's let's go for the future.
0: Oh, Cowboys. So when you watch your Cowboys, which when I watch them, I'm, I am I have two favorite teams, the Titans and whoever's playing the Cowboys. Um, For sure. So when you're watching it, though, can you watch it from not a coach's eye and just have a beer, crack a beer, hang out and do it? Or are you like, I see cover two, uh, I see man, I see whatever, uh, you're going to get in trouble. Are you from an analysis standpoint, or are you able to relax in and see it?
1: No, nah, most of the time it's from an analysis standpoint. I try not to, but you just you, your your brain gets wired to see certain things and uh if i try and when i'm watching the nfl i try to watch the football and not do the other things because when you're watching when you're coaching a football game uh you really don't see the football i mean you see all the other things that are happening around it because you should know if you're on offense you should know where the football should be delivered to or where the run's supposed to hit on defense you're anticipating what kind of play it's going to be so you're anticipating where the ball go how they're going to throw it how they're going to run it so Your vision, so that you can make the correct adjustments, needs to be somewhere else. And so, when I'm trying to watch NFL games or or other college games on TV that I'm trying to enjoy, I try and watch the football, and I find myself getting straight away from that. My eyes get broader into a a wider vision, and it becomes analysis. Uh, And it drives. Sometimes my wife be like, "What do you come on?" But she's she. I mean, sitting next to me watching everything, she's a bigger sports fan than me, probably. Um, and she gets into that in-depth analysis and she starts talking coverages and I'm, it, it's just, it's awesome. It's fun. But most of the time it's, it gets dragged out into that bigger, broader analysis.
0: So being, I mean, being in the uh, situation, I've, I'm sure that there's, there's uh, college coaches all over the country. There's uh, high school coaches all over the country that pattern their game. After you, like seeing what you've been able to accomplish, be able to uh, how you're able to coach. So they're looking at you as that mentor, right? They're looking at you and saying, "Wow, you know, if you're you're probably mentoring high school coaches in New Mexico, knowing your character, you're probably around them or connected with them or whatever it is." And they're looking to you. What coaches do you look at and say, like, "I want to kind of pattern my not that you want to be like anybody because you want to be like a carpenter. I know him too. He used to hang out back in the day. Um, Sure." who do you pattern your, your coaching game
1: after? You know, I, I was very fortunate in, in my both playing and coaching career. Um, like I said, Dennis Franchoni was my head coach in college the first four years. And then Coach Long came on. Um, Gary Patterson, the head coach at TCU, is, is an unbelievable defensive mind. And he was my defensive coordinator for my sophomore and junior year. And then Bronco Mendenhall, who's the head coach at the University of Virginia, he was our defensive coordinator and who I was a GA under my first coaching job here at New Mexico. Um, between Bronco and, and Gary Patterson and, and coach long, um, I've been surrounded by unbelievable coaches that are, are great men and, uh, they're unbelievably schematic wise too. So those guys, um, and I learned from a long time ago, I mean, Bronco was probably the one that instilled this to in me the most. Don't try and be somebody you can take aspects of people. You can take the way they taught, the way they coach, how they scheme things. Um, but take bits and pieces from everybody, but be yourself because if you try and be somebody else, you're going to fail. Um, that that's a hundred percent. If you're not yourself, if you're not authentic, you're going to fail. So I've taken parts of those guys, uh, of some of their personality traits, some of their coaching traits, some of their teaching traits and have tried to put it into what we do, but you got to be yourself. And if you're willing to bet on yourself and be that guy, then you have a chance to be successful.
0: Wow. Wow. I want Danny, I seriously like I, I would like to just have a sports show with you um because i'm a <laughs> like i'm I'm seriously I'm so emotional about it I'm, i I have this thing called NFL Math, um which it goes like this I'll, I'll give you a, a preview of NFL math and uh, this is how it goes my all my friends hate it and but I, I I think that it's uh based in um modern day prophecy so um the Tennessee Titans, right? So the Tennessee Titans are the greatest franchise of all time in the history of the NFL, and they have ever played the game ever. Um, this has been proven. Um, this was proven last year in the fact that they uh, actually in the last two years, because the last two years uh, they beat the Patriots a um, few uh, years ago. So they beat the Patriots and they beat the Eagles. Well, the Eagle, or the Patriots were the reigning Super Bowl champions, and then the Eagles ended up being the Super Bowl champions, and the Titans beat them, meaning that the Titans were the champions of all time. Uh, Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback ever. Laced up, won six championships. Um, we beat him, and Tannehill beat him in the playoffs at home, meaning that he took his title and his six titles and his Hall of Fame ballot, um, boosting him into one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, arguably, and uh, boosting the Titans because the uh, Patriots were the greatest of all time with the most champ- or almost the most championships. And since the Titans beat them, if you beat the champ, you become the champ. Therefore, the Titans are the greatest uh, team and franchise to ever be in uh, existence. So that's NFL math. Um, so I just want to let you know about that, just in case uh, you wanted to know, and and to let you know too, your Cowboys got beat by my Titans too. I just want just for the just for the uh, thing. So let's go into the NFL, right? So NFL, some people are saying. Oh my gosh. Are we going to have flag football in a couple of years? What is your, what is your response to that or what is your feeling on it as you as you go forward?
1: Now, I have, I have two feelings, but first, you must be Ryan Tannehill's agent because that NFL math that you put uh that that must have been what they explained to the Titan uh, organization because they paid him just like the math that you gave. So, good for you and good for for Ryan Tannehill, but uh the the other part of that um I forgot your question, Well we'll give me give it to you. Caught up in NFL math because it's true. I did, I did. The <laughs> Tannehill thing. I mean, you being his agent is awesome.
0: I mean, you you know that the Tennessee Titans retired Tom Brady as a uh, as a Patriot. I,
1: I think mean, they did.
0: They did. This is big. And we got beat by the Chiefs. We would have went to the Super Bowl, but we got beat by the Chiefs. But we're still three and one against them. And if we were in a series of a playoff of a game, a series of five, we would still be the champs. So we're still the exactly. Champs. I like this NFL math. So NFL math is there. So what do you say to the people that uh, are saying that football, like football in oh, general. Touch that's, that's football. Okay.
1: It's getting too yes, soft. I'm, I've got two thoughts on that. Um, one, I think they're ruining the game. Uh, it, it makes me a little bit sad because the physical nature of the game is what made it so fun for me playing growing up. Um, there's There's the two most popular sports in the United States and America right now, really worldwide, UFC fighting, MMA and football. Why? Because they're of a violent nature. People like watching that. You go all the way back to the, the times of the Romans, the, 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 the Coliseum, why it was violent. It was a violent nature. That's what people get entertained by. They like to see it. So with all the rules and, and changes in the game, uh, it makes me a little sad because it's not the same game. I mean, they they have this new rule, the blindside block. You can't any hit anybody behind the ball. If they don't see it coming anymore. That was part of the fun of football. Um, I mean, I am on the 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 quest of soon enough, your Ryan Tannehill and Tom Brady, those guys are gonna have vests on, and when you get too close, the lights are gonna blink and the play is gonna be over. Um, and that's where that's where football is headed. I mean, it is headed to flag football. Um, the 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 side that I do see keeping people healthy. I I agree. I mean, there's so much research now into the head trauma and and bodily trauma. Um, But if if guys understand what they're doing and they know what they're getting into, that's on them. Uh, I mean, I knew what I was doing playing football. And the research is there now. I still know um, we do different things to keep them, to, to teach them to get their head out of the game. Um, play it safer, and I think that is very important. I think the NFL and, and college football and Pop Warner Young American Football leagues are doing a better job of that. I think that is very important. But I think the game is a violent game. It's a, it's a that's the nature of the game. It's why people enjoy watching it and playing it. um So that that part of it makes me sad. But I know it's it's for the betterment of the game. It's for the longevity of the game, and uh, it, it'll be okay. It, I mean, people are are um, the competitive side. You can't take out of it. And the competitive drive is what'll keep our game going.
0: So one of my one of my favorite quotes was from John Madden. What he said, and, and you were a defensive back, so you can help me on this. Um, he said that as a cornerback or a defensive back in the NFL, you have to have a lot of confidence and a short memory. How does that relate, not only in football but in life, to you?
1: Oh, I think you have. To, I mean, there's like I said earlier, there's always uh, in everything you do, good things and bad things are going to happen. And you have, you have to be able to, to drive through the bad things um, just as much as you celebrate the good things. Because if you celebrate the good things too long, well, then that bad thing's going to get even bigger. And so you have to have a short memory. Um, you have to have that, that swag or whatever it is about that belief in yourself. Uh, that, Like I said, the, the, the willingness to bet on yourself that you're better than the guy across from you. And if it's talking to intimidate him a little bit, then then whatever it is, do it within the game. Um, I don't believe in playing dirty or being cheap, but I, I think uh, you have to get into somebody's head to, to have that competitive advantage. And that position in particular, being a corner of a DB, you're isolated. You're doing everything the opposite direction. You're doing everything backwards. And what the other guy is, I think it's very hard and very tough. Um, and that what's I mean, it takes a special person. It ain't for everybody. And the game of football is not for everybody. If it was for everybody, if it was easy, there'd be a thousand guys out there doing it. There's not. Um, there's a limited select that like that um, kind of competition. So, um, I mean, you have to, you have to be willing to believe in yourself and short memory is the biggest thing, bad things are going to happen. You got to let them go and move on.
0: So a couple of quick questions, rapid fire, favorite quarterback in the NFL right now?
1: Favorite quarterback currently right now? Uh, I, I'm going to go with Tom Brady cause he's a winner. I, I love winning.
0: So according to NFL math, you're a Tannehill fan. Um, so, <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, favorite defensive back uh, all-time Deion Sanders uh, only in the game uh, right now um, I like guys that want to count and will knock the, the tar out of you that are big physical uh, cam chancellor from the Seahawks who just retired two years ago I mean those kind of guys that, that's the that's the way the game should be played
0: here we go what about running back
1: all-time and then right now all-time favorite running back um, all-time greatest running back ever, probably in the game, is Walter Payton. I mean, the guy was unbelievable, uh, unbelievable. Just an athlete, competitor. Uh, I mean, did things that you can't uh, can't duplicate. I mean, Barry Sanders was close, but Walter Payton was just was just special and elite. Um, running back right now, uh, I mean, I, I I can be biased, but um, I'm gonna go with it. Zeke. It's Zeke Elliott. I mean, he he runs hard. He's downhill. He he gets the job
0: done. Well, and according to NFL math, since the Titans beat the Cowboys, you're a Derrick Henry fan.
1: Um, so, <laughs> no doubt.
0: <laughs> love that. Um, I do want to ask you: What do you feel about the dominance of the Tennessee Titans right now in NFL being the greatest of all time?
1: Uh, you know, I mean, they they uh, they believe what you believe because they're paying their players like it. So I mean, if if, if producing. If producing semifinal losses, not winning championship is the is the high point. Okay, then then that's all. I guess the Tennessee Titans are into the let's have a participation trophy for everybody. So I mean, if that's the way we want to go, that's okay. It seems to be the way of the world. <laughs>
0: uh, uh, okay, so tell us about tell us about this time that you stayed up till one o'clock in the morning and playing ping pong because you were getting beat by your wife and you wouldn't go to bed until she, until you beat her. Tell us about well, that. I
1: guess everything, everything we do is, is competition driven. And my wife growing up had a ping pong, ping pong table. I did not. Uh, when we moved to Arizona state, we bought one. And um, she had the, the upper hand with some experience and we were play we'd play ping pong and, and the scores. I mean, we played at 21, the scores would run. It would, it would be, she'd beat me 21. I mean, it started out, she was crushing me. It was 21, six, 21, eight, 21, 10. And then, I, I closed, I mean, it would get closer, 21-18, 21-17, and, and we were going, and I would lose, like, 21-19 because you'd have to lose by two. And I'd be like, "No, we're going again, play. And she's like, no. And she's like, it's twelve I was like, I don't care. Play, I, as I'd serve the ball, I'm like, 1-0. And just enough, I mean, even if she wasn't ready, I, 2-0, getting ready, she, it would make her just, just the competitive drive, fire up, fine, she'd book it. Finally, finally, the game, I mean, I, I was finally able to take her down. And uh, she was like, can we go to bed yet? I was like, oh, good. I'm the champ. Let's go. We can go to bed now. We're, we're good. So, I mean, it, it's, it's all the time.
0: That's what I'm talking about. So, you just reiterated NFL math because even though you got beat 15 times, because you beat the champion, you are the champion. Meaning, I was the current champ. Meaning until the, she, that's right. Until she took me down. For the greatest of all time. Um, but, so, the, but what happened? So, but Kansas City beat you the last time you played. Yeah, but I mean that actually, you know what? The NFL season got uh, uh, <laughs> in uh in 2020. It's completely gone. We're not even so that actually voided the Super Bowl because it's in 2020. So we go back. Okay. To, go back to last year. Which the was, last 2019 win. Yeah, the 20 the Patriots were the the champions, and we beat the champions in the playoffs in 2019. So bang, we are the champions. Um, I like it. Okay. Back to this, uh, because the Tennessee Titans are the greatest. Um, what is the Star Wars for you? I always like to think in a galaxy far, far away. I asked you at the beginning to start off. Uh, did you think when you were a kid uh, that you were going to be at the level that you're at? You're one of 119 Division One football coaches in the NCAA in our country. Um, that was a Star Wars for you to think about. What's your Star Wars now? Like, when you're looking uh, at it, what's your Star Wars no, now? No, I mean, I'm, I'm... –
1: I love this place, I mean, I think Albuquerque is a unique place New mexico University of New Mexico is special um if i had if i if our goal works out the way it is um we'll be here i'm i'm forty four years old I would ideally like to retire when i'm fifty five if we can be here for the next twelve seasons and we can win three four or five championships and uh at fifty five retire and me and Sandra can go tour the world or whatever we want to do, that would be my end goal um if we're successful here. We'll have other opportunities. Um, I I don't right now. I don't see an opportunity that would be better than than what we want for our family or what we have. Um, so we'll, we'll have to see at that time. I was taught at a young age that you always listen to what they have to say because there could be something life changing for the family beyond you, your grandkids, your grandkids' kids. I mean those things. But uh, here and and now, I mean, if, if we had our end all, it would be till I'm fifty five here and we go off into the sunset and have a great time.
0: So when you talk about championships, let's put a name to it, a specific. When you're talking about na- uh, championships, what type of championship are you talking about? The program is win the Mountain West Conference Championship every year.
1: And if you if we're good enough and we play good enough and we win every single game, we'll let those other people that make those decisions decide where they want to put us. And if they want to give us an opportunity to compete for national championship, go. Oh.
0: That's awesome, man. Um, so, uh, do me a favor here. I have had, to do it, Danny, I can't wait to be able to spend some time in person, uh, when the COVID is done. Um, I love this, because I want to review a couple For sure. of- weren't taking notes. I was, um, don't yell at people. That was huge. Um, you have a plan, but you have to adapt. Um, there's a difference between teaching and coaching, uh, wasting time. Uh, your waste is a waste of time to yell at people. Um, make sure that you're not making emotional decisions. That you're making them out of passion. Um, and when you're looking at the the emotion and passion, what you said is it's not similar. And you always reiterated this whole time. Look at the positive. Look at the positive. Look at the positive. A thing that has stood out to me too is a stat. I never knew this. Seven percent that come out of college come out debt free. Only seven percent. That means ninety three percent of the kids who go to college come out with debt. And collegiate athletes are ones that can do that. Um, You said that you said the the thing that you reiterated again and again and again and again, over and over again. And I don't know if you realize that you're saying it, but you kept saying bet on yourself. You kept saying, Mm -hmm. which was amazing. And then you had three principles to have a successful. That's because, I mean, when I say it's simple, it's not easy, but. Again, let's, let me reiterate this, 100, and only 119 of these job positions, and we're talking to one of them right now, and we're talking to one of the greatest defensive minds in the game right now, and you say that there's only three things that you need to do to be successful. Number one, be on time. If you're early, you're on time. If you're, out, uh, if you're uh, on time, you're late, and if you're late, you'll be forgotten. You need to have, so that's be on time. Number two is respect, and number three is compete. Danny, I want to thank you for being on the podcast. Bring us home. What's the message that you want to get out there to every single person? What is your message? What is your legacy that you want to leave? You know,
1: my, my my legacy is, um, make the people around you better. Um, and how can you do that without being self-absorbed? I mean, lead by example, lead by, I mean, and I'm a big believer in it's, it's quality over quantity. Don't just do something to do it, do it for a purpose. Uh, have like I said, the, there's a difference between having a dream and having a goal. Everybody has dreams, but usually you don't have a plan to get there. If you have a goal, you have a way to get there. And if, if people can come behind me and realize that hey, he had a he had a vision. He knew where he wanted to go. He knew where he wanted to take this football team, and this is how he did it. Even in the times where it seemed like they were going to fail, he didn't deviate. This is this is where they stayed to the plan. And in the end, that's why they celebrated it so much. I mean, it's 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 in your gut. And if you're willing, I said, I do say it all the time. You have to be willing to bet on yourself because if you're not, what do you have? I mean, if you don't believe in yourself and you believe in you, well, as soon as it gets hurtable. and if, willing, if you put all of it in, you put all of your emotion, you put everything you have into something, if you don't obtain it, it hurts. So you keep fighting and fighting. So you don't have that hurting feeling. And if you can lead by example, lead that way, and you get a whole bunch of people that have that same mindset, you can be indestructible.
0: Wow. Well, I want to thank you so much, Danny Gonzalez, the head coach of the University of New Mexico Lobos. Um, family man, father, husband, um, incredible, man. I, I appreciate your time, and you are amazing. I can't wait to uh, have one of these in person and get in-depth with NFL math.
1: No, that'd be great. Uh, that NFL math stuff is good. Like, hey, and you know what? I'm, and when I'm looking for an agent, I'm going to come to you because you can use that NFL math here. I mean, I, shoot, I'll never on to word again, so –
0: well I think
1: uh, I appreciate you having me on Kelly I mean I can't wait to do this in person and have some fun thank you
0: We got it buddy you're off the hot seat man thank you for listening to the Kelly Cardenas podcast